Well, good morning, Springhouse. How are you this morning? Everybody good? Thumbs up. This is a good day to be in the house of the Lord, is it not? Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad uh, in it. If you're joining us from home, thank you so much for joining us on Facebook or through our website. We're glad that you're joining us uh, uh, as well. Well, I want to start this morning uh, by expressing my encouragement uh, by uh, the response to last week's message. Man, I tell you, um, after service, I got an opportunity to speak with some of you and throughout the week, really, uh, with regard to this, um, this subject matter of community. And I feel like God has really tapped on some of the shoulders of the people in our body with regard to the importance of community and building relationship uh, with, one, with one another. And I've been so encouraged by uh, some of the response and some of the dialogue. And I just wanted to say for some of you who may have come last week and you heard the message and maybe you got a little bit convicted or maybe you said, okay, I might want to do something about that. And then you walked out in the foyer and you got out the glass doors and then you forgot about it. And now you're back here this week. Uh, I want you to know that community is not one of those things that we're just going to bring up three years from now and we'll have another message about it, okay? In order for our house uh, to be a house where we love big, live truth, and do healthy family, we've got to do this community thing, okay? We've got to be in relationship with one another. So we're going to be confronted with the subject matter of community every week. In fact, we should, be, we should be confronted with it every day of our lives, should we not? Because community and relationships is what we've been created for. That's what we've been created for. And so, uh, so I encourage you, I encourage you, uh, who's in your small group? Who, who, who are you doing life with? Who are you doing community community with. And, and so I hope as we continue to nudge forward in this series today, we're, we're not going to nudge very far away from that topic because I think it goes uh, hand in hand. I want to encourage you to continue to, to dig into uh, to community. So, so last week, the, the premise of uh, the message uh, was really to talk about who's your small group? Who are, the, who, are the, who are the people in your life who you have authentic, genuine community with uh, that you can be real with? The people that you can actually actually call on the phone and say, man, this isn't going quite right in my life. I need you to pray for me. This is, uh, the, I'm talking about the group of people that you actually do life with. Somebody this morning, when I walked in, they grabbed me aside and was talking about last week's message. And they said, man, Kevin, I just have to be honest with you. I am in proximity. I'm not in community. Uh, and so who are the people in your life that you gravitated toward uh, in your life that you're doing this, this relationship thing with? Today we're going to kind of we're going to we're going to do two things. We're going to sandwich that in between talking about our individual relationship with the Lord uh, and our response to Him and how that affects the community at large. Because how we respond to the Lord individually affects others. How we respond to the Lord individually affects everything uh, in our in our lives. And so as we get started this morning, I've got two uh, verses of Scripture that I want us to to examine and to look at. So we're going to stand together and we're going to. We're going to read these so you can stand right now. And if you're at home, you can, you can say this as well. The first verse comes from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, this is a short verse. And uh, so I really want us to say this three times because listen to me, if, if you ignore me for the rest of the service, if you decide that whatever's happening on social media is more important than what's going on up here, I want you to go home with this. This is what I want you to take away. So I want to say this three times together, and I'll instruct us each time. So let's say it the first time. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, very good. We got that first time. This time, I want you to bring it from the stomach with some gusto. I want to know that you're, the church is alive today, that we're here in the house. Let's say it again. Without faith, it is impossible 
possible to please God. Now, I know you have your face covering on because we've asked everybody to have a face covering on. So I'd like you to look at somebody with your eyes. Have you ever talked to somebody with your eyes? Have you ever spoken to somebody with your eyes? I want you to look at somebody with your eyes and with passion in your eyes. I want you to say this verse to them like you actually believe what it says. Here we go. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right, we're gonna continue right now into 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Let's say this together, church. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now I wanna do that verse again, but we're gonna do it in the message translation. Here we go. Let's read this together. Here we go. Whatever God has promised, get stamped with the yes of Jesus. Father, I am so thankful for the yes of Jesus. I am so thankful, God, for your faithfulness in our lives, God. I thank you for the people that are gathered here today, the people who are watching and tuning in at this moment. Father, I ask that you would enlarge our faith today. I ask, Lord, that you would open up the floodgates, Father, today, and Lord, that you would pour down a blessing that we can't contain, Father God. I ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself in a way that you've never revealed yourself to us before, God. I, I ask, Lord, that you would increase our ability to believe for things, Lord, even things, Lord, that we may not see right now as if they are here now. Father, I ask, Lord, that every word that comes from my mouth that would not be of you, that it would be completely forgotten. And the things, Lord, that you would have for us today would be remembered and changed us for eternity. And the church said, amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm gonna keep pushing this clicker. I don't know if we have a connection issue, but hopefully we'll, we'll get that, um, that straightened out. I love the word yes. I, I love the word. Can we just say yes? yes. Say it again. Yes. You know what? You have my permission throughout this entire message to say yes as many times as you want, okay? Yes, you can say yes uh, as many times as you want in, in this message. I love the word yes. Let me tell you some, some words that are connected to yes. When I see yes, when I hear yes, I think of power. I think of liberation. I think of permission. I think of access. I think of consent. I think of approval. And I believe that all of those words are derived from the kingdom because I believe we live in a kingdom that has many more yeses than it does no. I believe we, we operate, we live in a kingdom that is full of many, many, many yeses far more than, than it is, than it is no's. Last week, Last week, whenever we, we started, we went back to the beginning, to Genesis. And we opened and unpackaged just a little bit of the creation story. And we talked about God created everything. And in the midst of that story, we talked about how he created Adam. And in the context of God's goodness, of his good creation, he created Adam. And in that, and in that moment, he looks at Adam and says, for the first time, that's not good. And so out of Adam, he, he uh, puts Adam to sleep and he, and, he, and he brings about Eve and he creates Eve and, and Adam and Eve are fully known by one another. They are fully known to God and they are in harmony and they're in this paradise situation where everything is perfect, everything is whole, everything is great. Now we don't know what the time span between the moment when God creates Eve to when the fall is. We don't know if that was, you know, three minutes. We don't know if it's three days, three. We don't know what the, we don't know the time span, but we know that there's a space, of, there's gotta be a space of time from the creation to, to, to her going to the fruit. And so in that time span, in that window, everything is perfect. 
everything is whole. And I believe that when Eve caught her first breath, God met her with a resounding yes, all for everything that she could see. Because in the garden, God meets Adam and Eve and he says, you can do that. You can do that. You can do this. You can do that. You can name that. You can see that. You can do that. You can experiment, experience that. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Yes, 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 yes. No, don't eat that. And for the rest of history, our focus is on the no. For everything else that we walk from, everything has been focused on the one no amidst the many yeses. There are so many yeses in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something, saints. If you will open your eyes and let your yes meet God's yes, he will do explosive things in your life. He wants us to be surrounded with his yes. Pastor Ronnie brought a message about two months ago. And one of the things that caught me that he said, he talked about being on the straight and narrow. And so many of us as believers, we walk around and we talk, we're really quick to say, no, no, don't do that because you're not on the straight and narrow. And one of the things that Ronnie drew out of that passage is when you're on the straight and narrow, you actually see how broad that road is, how much there is actually to do when you're actually walking in the narrow. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that the boundaries of my life have fallen in pleasant places. You know what? I think that the writer that sees the pleasant places because his eyes not on the boundary. He's on all the yes within the pleasant places. Put your eyes on the yes of God. Put your eyes on the things that God has for you because he is a God who is for you. And his promises are yes and amen. And so back at the garden, we see God say no. He says, no, don't eat here. And for the first time in history, man says no to God. Man says no to God. In Romans 5, we learn that because of that one man's sin, all men have sinned. For that one man's no, all of us have said no to God. And everything changed. Everything changed because of that no. And ever since, God has been seeking a people who have an answer to this question, is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table? I want you to think about that for just a moment. Is Kevin O'Day's yes on the table. Let that marinate for a few minutes as we continue to move forward. And so God, from, the, from that moment of the no in the garden, it has been a, a lineage. It has been a, a, a walk of a timeline with God trying to find people who would have this answer to is your yes on the table. And we find in the story of, of a man named Abram, who knows about God's faithfulness in a man named Noah's life, knows about, knows about the Lord. He is settled with his family. And God says to Abram, he says, Abram, I want you to leave your family and I want to take you to a land that I'm going to show you. And Abram, if you will do this, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. I want you to know that God's directives never are given without a promise. When God asks you to do something, he always attaches a promise to it. When God asks you to do something, he always brings all the tools and everything that's gonna be needed for the journey. He doesn't ask you to do anything, but respond with, come on church, with a, with a yes. Is your yes on the table? And so Abram says yes. 
And he takes his family and he moves. And in the next moment, we see God coming to Abram. And he says, hey, I'm going to give you a son through whom I'm going to continue to bless your family line as I promised you. And so Abraham says, well, you know, God, uh, Sarah and I, we ain't quite getting down like that anymore. I mean, we, you know, doesn't matter how much Marvin Gaye you play, we can't get it on, okay? And, uh, and, so, and so he's just, he's just talking there and he's like, God, you know, and so what Sarah and uh, uh, Abraham do is they decide we're gonna, we're gonna make up a plan to help God along here because obviously God doesn't know kind of the condition that we're in, okay? How many of you have ever made a plan for God? How many of you ever, ever have informed God of something? God, did you know? Didn't you see? What are you thinking? What are you talking about? And so they move into their plan and that was Abraham saying no to God. And they do their plan and he has, they have the baby and God approaches them again and says, no, Abraham and Sarah, you are going to have a baby. Sarah is going to have a kid. And God fulfills that, that purpose. This is the very essence of what Proverbs 19.21 says, which is many are the plans of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will prevail. You can plan and you can plan and you can plan and you can plan some more, but it will be always the Lord's purpose that will prevail in all situations. My questions to you is, do you want to be a part of God's purpose or do you want to be a part of your own? Because God's purposes and plans, they prosper. And if you can't get there, he will knock you out of the way and get somebody who will. Is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table? And so, Time continues, and I just love this about God. God will always give you an opportunity to redeem your no. He will always give you an opportunity to redeem the no. And so he comes, he gives uh, Abraham and Sarah the child Isaac, and he comes to him. If you read chapter 22 of Genesis, he comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, you know that, that, that promise I gave you, that kid I gave you? I want you to go up on this mountain. I want you to sacrifice him. Interestingly enough, because of, see, see we, Vonda would say, when you know better, you do better, right? So he, 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 he has, somehow he has learned something in the previous interactions with God that he gets up and he immediately obeys and he takes his son and he goes, but he says something in chapter 22 that is so wonderful. He says to his servants, you stay here and we are gonna go up on this mountain we're going to worship the Lord. And guess what? We are going to come back down. What that tells me, what that tells me is that Abraham knew that our yes is to a person, not a plan. Your yes is to a person and not a plan. And let me tell you something, church, God is only willing to multiply what you are willing to sacrifice. He is only willing to grow the things that you are willing to give up. When he gives Abraham that child, he says, that child is mine. You need to give him back to me. What has God put in your, what position has God given you that you're holding on to so tight that he is not able to multiply and do things with because you have called it your own? 
What purpose, what thing are you holding on to? So what gifting are you holding on so tight that you think God is just going to just bust the door open and bless you because you're holding on to it so tight and God is actually saying, lay that down. But God, I don't think that's a part of the plan. Wait a second, that's not a part of my plan. That's not how this is supposed to work. And God said, I want you to lay that down so that I can multiply it. And he has amazing, wonderful things for those who will do that. Our yes, church, is to a person. It is not to a plan. It is not to a plan. And so the story continues to unfold. And through Abraham and through his yes to God, Isaac comes. And through Isaac, Isaac's yes, Jacob comes. And through Jacob's yes, we find the 12 tribes of Israel that are established as God's people. And then Israel is enslaved and God raises up a man named Moses. And through Moses's yes, the people are set free. And the story continues and continues. Joshua, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, the prophets, it goes all the way through this book is full of people who said yes to God. Are you a part of the story and is your yes attached to it? Are you a part of the story that is unfolding every day? Do you know the story's not finished yet? Do you know Jesus did the redemptive work so that we can continue to walk out? There are people out there that need to be saved. There are people out there whose stories have not begun yet. And I think God is waiting on some of us to say yes so that they can meet this eternal, relational, wonderful Father. All of these things lead to a man named Jesus Christ who comes on the, who comes on the scene and he, he is just so right. I wonder sometimes if we, you know, we love Jesus, right? Who loves Jesus? I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Okay, I wonder how many of us would actually love him if he was here. Because when you look at Jesus, you look at the truth. And some of us are not ready to look at the truth. But I love Jesus. I love, yeah, let me love, let, let Jesus love some truth on you and see how you feel about him, right? He was radical when he was walking this earth. Because the religious leaders were all about, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. No, 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 no. And Jesus came to stamp a big fat yes. Jesus came to redeem the original no and turn it to a yes. All of the things that were put in play to keep us in line and marching like this, all these rules, all these regulations, Jesus came to fulfill all of those so that we could have a relationship, a ready yes, that our yes could meet God's yes and we could be in perfect relationship and reconciled to this father. He is so good. And so interesting how God weaves everything together in scripture. And I hope you are reading the Bible. But Jesus, at 33 years old, we find him in another garden. Isn't it interesting that we find Jesus in another garden to redeem what happened in the first garden? And here he is, and God is speaking, speaking to God. He's praying, and he knows that the next day at three o'clock, he's gonna be dead. He knows the plan. And he has a choice. And he says, God, if this cup could pass from me, let it be so, but let your will be done. I'm so glad he said, but let your will be done. How many of us get in a hard situation and we need to learn to say, but let your will be done. Man, when things get rough, when things look on the other side, things aren't going in the direct, see, we, we only attach God 
to the things that seem to be going well in the way that we want them to go. We only seem to attach a testimony to say, oh, it only, it must, if it's not, if it's not making me feel good, it must be the devil. But see, the thing is, is God in his goodness is wanting to refine you to make you more like him. Do you know that refining does not feel good? And it's the Lord. He is so good to us. He is so faithful to us. And he has given us a yes to offer back to God the Father. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ said yes. Let me tell you something, saints. It takes faith to say yes to God. It takes faith to say yes to God. What is faith? Faith is the confidence of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. I like how the message puts it like this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Let me ask you something. Does your faith distinguish you from the, Lord, from the world? Does your faith set you above the crowd or are you just, you just content with blending in with everybody else? Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power that comes with the Holy Spirit should be manifesting itself across our lives all of the time. Why? So that everybody can look at me and see how wonderful God moved in my life? No, so that we have an opportunity to point people to him. I talked about last week in Acts, numbers being added day by day. You know, there were miracles that were happening in the book of Acts. There were things happening that were in the supernatural. You know why they were happening? They were happening because it increased faith to allow people to look at Jesus. Miracles will happen in your life so that people can see Jesus miracles will happen in your life. And guess what? He is the God of miracles today. He is, the, he is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What are you waiting on God for? What are you believing God for? It takes faith to say yes to God. I wanna quickly go into a passage of scripture in, in the book of Matthew chapter, chapter eight, when Jesus has just finished his, uh, his, his big sermon called the Sermon on the Mount to the Multitudes. And he's just got done preaching. I love this. I love this. In the book of Matthew, the way it's laid out, the way it's recorded, Jesus gets done with his Sermon on the Mount and the very first person he heals isn't somebody in the church. His first interaction recorded in, in Matthew is that he sees a leper calling out to him and he decides to heal the leper. Do you know that a leper would not be within the crowd on the Mount? Lepers, lepers had to be distanced away. And he has just preached a message and Jesus now has an opportunity to walk it out. Do you know that what you receive here today and each Sunday isn't just for you, it's for people out there? You're supposed to be taking what you get here and you're supposed to be taking it out to the streets. You're supposed to be taking it into the workplace. You're supposed to be taking it into your family. You're supposed to be taking it into your friend groups. You're supposed to be taking it into your small groups. You're supposed to be taking it into your recreational time. You're supposed to be taking it into places. It's not for you just to hold it, put a jar like you put a little lightning bug. Look at my light. Look at my little light. No, this is a gift that's supposed to be given to others. It's not just for you. And so he heals this leper, but then right behind that, we hear about this other story. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, 
a centurion came to him asking for help. Now, whoa, that's a big deal. A centurion is a Roman guard. This is my microphone. A centurion is a Roman guard. Now, Romans were not favorably disposed towards Jews, you understand. Okay, Romans did not treat Jews very well. So a centurion comes to Jesus for help a few chapters after Jesus said, love your enemies. Are you with me? He's got an opportunity to walk out what he just said, okay? Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve, listen to this, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. Jesus responds to this on down. He says this, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now he's not talking about the Jews. He's not talking about the homeboys. He's not talking about the crowd that he's rolling with at the church. He's talking about somebody on the outside. He's saying, I have not found somebody with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the East and West. That means many will come from the outside and will take their places at the feast with Abraham. Yes. Isaac. Yes. Jacob. Yes. In the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom the people that he's talking to on a day-to-day basis, the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believe it would. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you, and you, without faith, you say yes Without faith, you end up saying yes to your plan and no to God's. If you don't have faith, you end up saying, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. Springhouse Church, I am asking God to increase the faith of our church. I am asking God to give us opportunity to be stretched and to grow in the area of faith. Now I'm looking at you because that's who I'm talking about, okay? I'm not talking about the people out there. I'm talking about you right now on the front row right here. I'm talking about you. I'm asking the Lord to increase your faith. Sherry, a couple weeks ago, prayed for somebody. She doesn't do this often, but she felt compelled to pray for somebody who was in pain. And she goes down and she says to the person, she says, hey, do you believe that God can heal you? And the response she received was, yes, I believe, but ellipses. I believe, yes, I believe, but I believe you, God, for my finances, but I believe you, God, for my marriage, but yes, God, I believe you for my relationship, but yes, God, I believe you uh, for this, the, the, the healing and release of this addiction, but I believe you for my family, but I'm believing you, God, for this, this job. Yes, thank you, Lord, for this job. But we've got to get our butt out of the way. Tell somebody, get your butt out of the way. Get your butt out of the way. We've got to move the butt. When we say yes to the Lord, there is no but. When we say yes to the Lord, it's just yes. It's just yes. Yes. 
It's just, yes, we've got to stop thinking of excuses. Guys, we try to rationalize in the natural what God wants to do in the supernatural. We, try, we, we limit God's capacity to move in our life because our faith is not even as big as a mustard seed. And we know what will happen if we have mustard seed faith. I'm asking God to increase the faith of Spring House Church. Why? So that we have the opportunity for people who do not know the Lord to know him. So that people can see that God is real so that we can point unbelievers to him because of our faith, because of what he's doing. We've got to get our butt out of the way. A few, worship team, you can come on out. Listen, a few weeks ago, I was talking to Pastor Barbie and we were having a conversation and we often do this. We dream and kind of talk about, you know, what, what can we see happening here? And she just makes an offhand comment, comment and says, gosh, I just, I just wish we had $50,000. If I had $50,000, I would just do, I could just do this and this and this. And I looked at her and I said, he can do that. That's a drop in a bucket. That's a drop in a bucket. Do you know that I got, a phone, I got an email uh, later on the next week and we had the largest offering that Sunday that we had had this entire year? When, I, when we released that word, we had the largest offering and, and somebody had written a, a large check. And you know what we can say? You know what? Yes, that was, a, that was a great offering, but it was just one person who brought it in. Or we can just trust that God met us with a yes. God is wanting to meet you as you put your yes on the table. And let me tell you again, when your mess, when your mess, when your yes meets God's yes, he'll clean up your mess, <laughs> right? <laughs> When's the last time that you dreamed? Guys, you can play. What, what time, when was the last time that you dreamed big? What is God saying right now about your family? What is God saying about your marriage? What is God, what, what are you believing God for? What is God saying? Some of you need to sign up for the financial peace course, but you sat there doing the announcement. You said, no, I'm not gonna do it. Yes, but I don't want them to know what I did with my finances last month. I don't wanna sign up for the class because I'm too ashamed of the decisions that I've made. And we can continue to live in this downward spiral as we don't trust God to do what he says he will do in the partnership of meeting our yes with his. So I have a question for you, church. Is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table for God? And some people want to go automatically to, well, you know, my yes is on the table. Boy, you know, I got, I got boundaries. I can't do this. I got to make sure I'm doing this. Let me tell you something. I made a mistake at Margaret's funeral. I realized this past week because I talked about at Margaret's funeral, one of the things that she taught me was the word no. And the Lord really convicted me. And she said, Margaret didn't teach you the word no. She's taught you to say yes to the right things. When you say yes to the right things, you don't have room for the rest of it because you will be filled enough with the things that God has his yes married to. Everything else will look so different and so off that you'll know this is not something I'm supposed to be connected to. And you'll know where to place your no and you'll know where to place your yes. So how do we get there? How do we get to the bigger things? Because I know some of you are dreaming. Who, who's got a dream? Who's got, who's got vision in your life? Anybody, anybody got something that the Lord has promised you? How do we get there? This is how we get there. In Luke 16, it tells us, 
that we are faithful in small things, he can trust us with the larger things. Guys, the reason I'm standing here, I believe this wholeheartedly as lead pastor of this church, it started back in the old sanctuary. And I was sitting out in the congregation and Margaret Meek stands up. I knew that she was Arwen and Isaac's mom. That's about the extent that I knew. And she said, I really want somebody to direct a children's play. I, I, I don't have the time and I would like our children to have a play. I'll do it. Yes. Yes. I'd never directed a play before in my life. And there began a relationship. There started community. And eventually they gave me these, they probably regretted at times, but they gave me keys to this building. One time I put staples all up in the ceiling and that's another story. They gave me keys to this building. And when I got keys to this building, I remember I would come in here and I was on a group called Praise in Motion at the time. And I would come in on Wednesday night or Sunday and I would go in the ministry center and I would crank up the volume and I would just dance before the Lord in the, in the altar space. And I would just worship him. And I don't, I don't think I've ever shared this story with anybody, but at the end of doing that, most times I would look back and in the back uh, on your right side, my left side corner, there was this air vent and there's where you put the filters, right? And that air vent would suck in all the dust and there would be layers of dust on that air vent. And I just would go back there after I got done worshiping the Lord and I would go back there and I would just wash off the dust off of those air vents. And I remember distinctly one time sitting there and we had this marble, remember that marble stage we had, the faux marble? Like, I don't know what that was, but anyway. Um, and And I remember scrubbing that thing and looking up and I remember and I remember saying God if I could just have one chance to be on the stage where Ronnie is and tell people about Jesus if I could just have one opportunity God I, would, I just want to tell them about Jesus and how good you are And I look all of these years later, and here I am having the opportunity to give the gospel week in and week out. You never know what your small, obedient step in the yes is going to lead to. His promises are yes and amen every single time. Church, is your yes on the table? So, We have an opportunity for you. And this isn't for everyone, but it's for most of you. When you leave today, there are tables out in the foyer. And I don't know for who this this is for, but this might be the, hey, I'm needing somebody to direct a play for kids. Not asking for you to have experience. We're not asking you to bring a whole bunch of stuff to the table. You know what we're asking you to bring? Yes. And so when you pass by these tables, if we're going to be a community that journeys together, we need your help. We need you to serve. And there's an opportunity out there for you to plug in in a deeper way. How does this connect to last week? We're building community together. Guys, children's ministry, F-stop, all of these things are just means for you to build relationships with others. So I encourage you to put your yes on the table.